whenever I receive a, an invitation through fellowship to serve the Lord in certain churches with a conference, first I need to bring this matter to the Lord to have the assurance that this is something in his heart that he wants me to partake of. <clears throat> I just don't make uh, quick decisions. We have only one source, God our Father. And then the second matter, without exception, there's a seeking and a waiting on the Lord. What should be the subject? Lord, what do you want to release at this particular time? And usually I need to allow the Lord all the time he needs. It may be several days. It may be a few weeks. And this was the same way I approached this time. And then it, little by little, it became so clear that for the first time in my years of serving by ministering the word, this will be a conference on the grace of God. So this is not in any way a repeat of anything that has taken place already. But this is directly from the throne of grace. Amen. And so the general subject, I'll come back to this in a few minutes, is living by the grace of God in the economy of God. But before I say anything further about the general subject, I want to read a few more verses concerning grace and comment on them. We already read John 1.14. When the word became flesh, God incarnated. He was filled with grace. Grace came. Then in verse 16 of the same chapter, John writes... For of his fullness, we have all received, and grace upon grace. And this illustration is only partially helpful, but it might help us to grasp the thought, grace upon grace. It's like in an ocean, a wave, not a tidal wave, a damaging wave, but a a pleasant wave, definite, but delightful. It comes one wave, another wave, another wave. Well, this may help us to see grace upon grace. We will probably sing that hymn later in the holiest place, touch the throne of grace. Grace as the river shall flow. The source of grace is the throne. We know from Revelation 22, 1. This is the river of water of life flowing out from the throne. We know from 
Hebrews 12, uh, 4, it's the throne of grace. So right now, at this very moment, wherever you are, grace is flowing. And we're on the receiving end to receive grace upon grace. So earlier this morning, I received grace. When I was having breakfast with my wife, grace. As I was doing some final preparation before the meeting, grace. When I was with the brothers praying and fellowshipping, grace. When we were singing, grace. And now here, grace. Grace upon grace. Then in verse 17, we have a contrast. The law was given through Moses. Grace and reality came through Jesus Christ. You may want to read the footnote on that verse if you have time and are inclined after the meeting. But when it comes to practicality and to our actual living, many, many dear saints are living under laws. Either they have made for themselves, trying to perfect themselves, or what they understand to be laws upon them in the church life. And so the outcome is always the same. We try our best, we fail, we try, we fail. But we have been saved from that by the Lord's salvation and grace. And so we have grace the triune God to be our life supply in the way of enjoyment for everything. And as a learner, there's still, as I see again and again, on my back, there's a big L like they have for new drivers in the UK, maybe where you are, to let others know this is a learner. He or she has the license, but they're still learning. And so it was a great turn in my own life with the Lord to stop trying to fulfill laws or requirements and some kind of demand placed upon me by a brother thinking he has the authority and the position to do that. Instead, Things became so simple. I just want to live by grace. And I read this prayer in a life study. Even I heard the message. I edited the life study decades ago. Brotherly simple prayer every day. Lord, please supply me with today's portion, today's measure of grace. Oh, what a difference. Not law. But grace, then as an example of a great sinner, he called himself the worst sinner. He was breathing out murder against the believers, the Apostle Paul. But he was saved by grace that has its source in the love of God. And this is what he said concerning himself. A wonderful verse. 
in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 10. By the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace unto me did not turn out to be in vain. But on the contrary, I labored more abundantly than all of them. Yet not I, but the grace of God, which is with me. And I would directly but gently ask, especially, are any brothers in churches that are the leading ones, uh, even they may be the elders, or perhaps they're among the co-workers with a certain responsibility can you say this, by the grace of God, I am what I am. It's nothing about me that I merit this, that I deserve this. It's not because I'm older than almost all of you that I'm able to give a message. It's not that I was here for decades, so I'm qualified. No, it's all by grace. Not just what we do, it's what we are. What a testimony. If someone from the outside would ask, what are you, what is your position? Well, my response is, I am what I am by the grace of God. And we labor by grace. So the Lord may put more responsibility on us. Oh, as mothers, as parents, as grandparents, as brothers and sisters in the church. Yet we labor by grace. Not I but the grace of God with me. Then just two other verses, and I'll just quote the final one. In 2 Corinthians 12, we see how Paul lives by grace. In chapter 1, verse 10. Oh, sorry, verse 12. For our boasting is this, the testimony of our conscience that in singleness and sincerity of God, not in fleshly wisdom, but in the grace of God, we have conducted ourselves in the world and more abundantly toward you. This is how he lived, not in fleshly wisdom, Probably he was a genius, certainly with extraordinarily high intellectual capacity that was brought into resurrection. But he didn't trust anything he was or had. But in the grace of God, I conduct myself. And this is now living. 
We're approaching the general subject. And then he says, in the world. And more toward you. But it's the same grace. He is not compartmentalizing. Oh, I'm in the world. Here I'm making these kind of materials, selling them. I'm a tent maker. They're high quality. If you want one, you got to pay the price. They're worthy. He's not one kind of person in the world. And now he's with saints. So he's a different kind of person. It's the grace of God. He conducts himself. Not by what he thinks is right and wrong. Not by a supposed to. But by grace. And then a passage that most of us are familiar with. Is in chapter 12. Verses uh, 7 through 9. And because of the transcendence of the revelations, in order that I might not be exceedingly lifted up, Paul realized he had seen tremendous transcendent revelations, so easy to be puffed up. And so there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan, that he might buffet me in order that I might not be exceedingly lifted up. Then this next part, it's so humanly divine. Concerning this, I entreated the Lord three times that it might depart from me. I, I want to pause here. He wasn't heroic. I was in a meeting. The brother has gone on much further with the Lord since he said this decades ago. But he went through a certain kind of suffering and he got through it and he testified. And then he just kind of challenged the universe. Send me something harder than that. <laughs> because he was one really, really, humanly speaking, tough, strong, lumberjack type of guy. Of course, he outgrew that. And so Paul prayed for the thorn to go away. Some of us may be reluctant to do this. We think, well, this is not spiritual. I should just accept this. Well, this is a severe pain. We're humans. Who wants to be living in this all the time? So he prayed one time, he entreated, take it away, no answer. Okay, I'm going to try again. Lord, this is, this is a thorn. This is from the enemy piercing me. I can't bear it. Remove it, please. No answer. And then number three. And then the answer comes to him. We can't just take this verse, the next verse out of the context and say, now I have all sufficient grace. That word, we do have that, you could say, doctrinally. But to realize in the situation that we're in, and some of you listening to this 
are in very difficult situations for any human being to bear. You wonder, how can I go on day by day? And then the Lord said to him, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is perfected in weakness. Then he says, most gladly, therefore, I will rather boast in my weaknesses that the power of Christ might tabernacle over me. So verse nine, uh, verse nine needs to become a rima to us. We don't just quote the verse and say, his grace is sufficient. When we're not touching that. But eventually we will. And you'll be able to say, as by the Lord's mercy, at least to some extent, I can say, his grace is sufficient. I know that whatever happens, his grace is sufficient. We're not going to get an easy escape. Our sovereign God knows what he's doing. He no, knows what he's trying to accomplish through this seemingly unending pandemic. But we are in this situation by grace. We will overcome in this pandemic by the sufficient grace. And then Paul's last words, as far as we know, that were written. He wrote to his spiritual child, Timothy. He gave some testimony in chapter 4 of 2 Timothy. And his last words to his beloved spiritual child. The Lord be with your spirit. Grace be with you. What a precious last word. Look forward to meeting Timothy. And how did you respond? Maybe he would say, I never forgot that. The Lord is with me. My spiritual father is gone. He was poured out as a drink offering, as a martyr. He charged me, finish your ministry, Timothy. The Lord is with your spirit. Grace be with you. And then we read the last words in the Bible. Isn't this awesome and amazing? The last words, the grace of the Lord Jesus be with all the saints. That's God's last word. Be with all the saints. And the burden, I believe, in the Lord's heart and in my heart and in the hearts of many as the meetings proceed is this general subject, living by the grace of God in the economy of God. And this believe it or not, or expect it or not, needs some explanation why this general subject, living by the grace of God. 
If I were able to fly with my wife to New Zealand in the near future, I would be there. I would do certain things there. And I would need to behave myself there according to laws. But I don't live there. You live there. Or wherever you are. And living is not simply behaving in a certain way. It's the totality of our existence. It's something nonstop. As long as our heart is beating, we are living. So this word living is all-inclusive. I refer to that verse where Paul said, I am conducting myself in the grace of God all the time, wherever I am. I'm not two persons. I'm living by grace. By, the gra- by grace, I am what I am. I do what I do by grace. And if he needs to go to some place required by the government to register or to pay some tax, He does it by grace. This is living by the grace of God. And that word, little word by, this means finally, dear saints, each one of us finally has reached the point that I can't, I can't really be a normal Christian. I can't. I just can't. I can succeed apparently in a certain way and then boom, boom. And I can't be an overcomer. I can't. Then the Lord is waiting for us to really give up on our self-effort. And he's saying, let me be everything. Let me give you everything. Let me carry out everything. Will you? This is grace. The last point in section four, point E. Grace means God is everything. God does everything. And God gives everything. What a realization. Doesn't mean we're passive. I I really need to pray. What to pray? How to pray? I don't know. God gives the prayer. God gives the utterance. I need to share the gospel. I have some leading, some burden to share with this person. Okay. God is the one doing this. God is the one speaking. And we are one with him. And so we are living by the grace of God. In the economy of God. In. Not for. If the title was for the economy of God. This would in a way separate us from God's economy. We are doing this to accomplish something. But when we say in the economy of God, 
That means we are in a realm. And in one of his many books, um, not countless books, but numerous books, Brother Lee has this amazing statement. I think it's in the book on, on chaos, satanic chaos, and God conquering it in the divine economy. He said, actually, God himself, Christ himself, is the economy. But we need something more definite to understand this. God's economy is his plan and arrangement to dispense himself into us to be our life our life supply and everything for the building up of the church as the body of Christ. Please notice the whole part. God's economy is his plan and arrangement in order to dispense himself into us. And that is for the church. So I want to take a couple minutes on this first part, plan and arrangement. We're all familiar with the accounts in the Gospels of a huge number of people. One time, what, 5,000 men. We don't know how many women, probably more, and then children. And they were hungry. And the disciples said, well, you should just send them away so before night comes, they can buy food. And the Lord said, well, you feed, you feed them. How are we going to feed them? And what do you have? I have five loaves and two fish. So the Lord wanted to dispense himself as light into them, illustrated by this. So there was an arrangement. You all sit down in groups of 50 and 100. And then the Lord took, took these elements. He prayed and he blessed them and broke the bread. And then he gave the bread and the fish to the apostles to distribute. And if anyone was there and say, well, my, 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 my close friends are in that group. Why can't I be there? Well, I have to be here. No, this is your group. And look at this interesting person, this man named Peter. He's such an interesting guy. <laughs> he, he's the one serving them. And then you've got this... Um, Oh, Simon the Canaanian, whoa, he was a radical rebel. He, he, he must be quite exciting. And then this, this fellow, John, he seems kind of mystical or whatever. But here, this guy's coming to me. His name is Judas, who I just don't have good vibes about him. I, 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 don't, I, don't, I don't want to get anything from him. Of course, none of this happened. But the point, here's what happened. I was teaching this to a class 
on God's economy years ago. And I used this illustration. And the trainees were so happy. They went out of class saying, oh, we're just going to accept God's plan and arrangement for us. This, this is what we're going to do. And then uh, we will get the dispensing. So a week later, they came back and I asked them, how did it go with accepting this arrangement? Because I was smiling inwardly when they told me that they would do it. I realized you're going to be like everybody else. Certain matters, we, to say the least, we don't like, we don't want, we don't understand. Why is this happening? Well, there are no accidents with God. That's why he causes all things to work together for good. But then this will be a test. Whether we are living by grace. How do you react in that situation? How do you react? If after this meeting, you checked your email, and you have three emails, people who identify themselves with some name that you don't know, and they say terrible, evil, awful things about you, calling you this and calling you that, and using vile words aiming at you, how would you react? Someone would, someone would say, I'm, I'm an elder. What is this? I'm a co-worker. What is this? Well, the Lord cover me. But I'm referring after, after one of the semi-annual trainings, after a certain message, this kind of attack came. In a very intense way. And I knew what was behind it, so I wouldn't take it in. But it didn't bother me. Didn't stir up any reaction. No rage, no self-pity. No anger, no demand for revenge. Instead, I just simply said, Lord, I give this to you. You are the righteous one. Your son, when he lived this way and he was blasphemed, he didn't answer back. He committed everything to the one who judges righteously. But I had quite a long journey before being able to do that. A history of all kinds of reactions. But see, this is not a training. But this is a conference. But it's directed in a personal way to all of you, to each of you. I'm so glad we spent that time on that hymn and to hear you pray reading over it, I was just thrilled. I was almost inwardly leaping with joy. What grace is. But this grace will be lived out in one situation after another. 
And that situation is part of God's economy, his arrangement. And so, when it's early in the evening of March 9th, 2016, and I see my wife breathe her last breath, this is a particular situation. Grace is here. Grace is here in all the steps. Because we're human, we're walking through the valley of the shadow of death. Then when I'm in Russia, and the Lord brought me and the sister together, initially just by conversation in the hall, that was grace. If I'm in very good health, as far as I know, Grace is there. More than once I've been lying on a surgical table. Grace is there. We will all learn this so that we are living. We're living by grace. And we're living by grace in God's economy so that we can receive the dispensing and that we can just transmit this dispensing and that the Lord will have his heart's desire fulfilled, his church built up, his bride made ready. So now we come to message one. And I have a, a clock here. I think it's one minute ahead, which is good. And I'm going to allow at least 20 minutes, maybe 25 minutes for your sharing. Because this is a body conference. And what you will share is, I consider that the rest of the message. This is my honest view. So now we come to message one, the triune God being life to us by dispensing himself into us as grace for our enjoyment. And so uh, you are one day ahead of me, but now we're well into November. If you could look back upon this year, starting with January 1st until today, and if you were asked, of all these days, probably over 300 days, how many of those days would you say they were days of enjoyment? That's what characterized my memory of all these days, enjoyment. I think many of us would have to say we had enjoyment every now and then. In this situation, or that situation, sometimes, but most of the time, I had peace. I did. My conscience was at peace. But joy? Not really. And that's indicated by 
what we offer to the Lord at the Lord's table meeting. And he prays for the enjoyment. And so we have this to look ahead. The kingdom of God, Romans 14, 17 says, is righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. And so the issue of this grace is enjoyment. But here I want to bring in Paul again. I believe probably virtually everyone is familiar with Philippians. If you had asked an ordinary theologian or a pastor, what was Paul's state of mind? What was his situation in Philippians? And then they would quote, oh, he said, rejoice in the Lord. Again, I say rejoice. He was just happy there. Well, he was joyful in prison. And in chapter 2 of Philippians, he speaks about a certain brother from Philippi who was there with him and said he was very sick unto death. He was that sick. He almost died. But God had mercy on him and on me that I would not have sorrow upon sorrow. My point is, he was in a difficult situation, day and night, chained to a guard, not knowing the outcome. And having this own affliction in his being, the thorn. And now a beloved fellow worker may die right there in front of him. And he said that I wouldn't have another suffering. The reason I mention this is I'm not talking about a theory here. Of just we're leaping and skipping full of joy. That's not our human life. That's not our actual situation much of the time. But by the grace that is flowing in us. Enables us to have joy in any kind of situation inwardly. I didn't have joy when my wife passed away. How can we? But nevertheless. The joy is still there because grace is there. And so this is not this an elementary time together. This is not a beginner's conference. That God wants to dispense himself into us as grace to be everything to do everything and give everything so that we would be happy, that we would have enjoyment. And I, once again, probably dozens of times I've mentioned this. I believe Brother Watchman Nee suffered more than any other brother in the Lord's recovery in the 20th century. Just incredible. 
And then those 20 years in confinement. What kind of situation was that? But his final word was, I maintained my joy. Wow. Because grace was there in the midst of the situation. And he lived there those 20 years by grace. Now we can go through the outline. And Roman numeral one is, it's really amazing. Grace is the greatest truth and the highest revelation in God's New Testament economy. Well, we need the rest of the outline to explain this because some would say, oh, grace, that's just God giving you a favor. It's unmerited favor. How can you say that's the greatest truth? It's the highest revelation. But it depends on what grace is to us. And if we realize grace is the processed and consummated triune God being everything to us, that is great truth. It's not just something that God gives. <coughs> just the flame. <clears throat> something that God gives is what he is. It's not only what he gives, what he does, it's what he is. And it's what he is, dear saints, is what is the greatest grace of all. He's just, I am. Two, grace is the triune God, processed, and consummated for us so that we may enjoy him. I really enjoy my wife's cooking, whatever it is. But I'm especially happy when she lets me know we're having lamb for our meal. It's usually the middle of the day, lamb. And we know where the lamb land is. We know where the real lamb comes from. Yes, it came from there. <laughs> but the lamb has been processed and consummated to become edible so that we enjoy this. If God was just stayed in the Godhead away from us, it's impossible to enjoy him. He's, he's unapproachable. That's what Paul said. He dwells in unapproachable light. <clears throat> how, how, can, how can you do that and have joy? I'm, I'm scared to death. But right now when light is shining on us with love, it's so pleasant. To be in this realm because God came in Christ to pass through death and resurrection to become the life-giving spirit so he can dispense himself into us little by little as grace so that we may enjoy him. So why not 
pray anytime now from this point on inwardly, Lord, I need to enjoy you. Lord, I pray for my, my wife, my husband, to enjoy you. Whenever I sense a lack of joy in my dear wife, I have a loving concern. I want to be clear. I'm not the, am I the one that I do something to take away joy? Then let me know. I want to clear it up. We express our love in many ways, but one way is being joyful. And for all the saints, three, grace is the wonderful Christ as the embodiment of the triune God in three aspects. So it is like the hymn said, grace is Christ himself. <clears throat> A, grace is the wonderful Christ in what he is. In what he is. If you would reflect upon when you decided to marry a certain person, you're the brother, you were going to propose after the engagement was coming to this end. But you're the sister and you are responding. Why did you decide, humanly speaking, you believe it's God's arrangement, but on the human side, did you marry him for what he does? I don't think so. Oh, if you married him because he's going to make a lot of money. I want that. I've, I've met a sister once, not in the recovery, who said, I will marry a rich man. Or, but he gives. No, you love him for what he is. And he loves you for what you are. And that's the greatest enjoyment. It's not that I love my wife because she's such a good housekeeper. And being married to her, I went in the opposite direction of married men. I lost 25. Now it's reaching 30 pounds because of such healthy meals with certain limitations. No matter what I have, what kind of soup I'll have for lunch after this meeting, I love her for what she is. And we love the Lord and enjoy him first for what he is. And we will be in situations where it seems he's not doing anything. He's not answering this prayer. He doesn't seem to be giving anything. And maybe he's not. But he is. And he's wonderful in what he is. B, grace is the wonderful Christ given to us, dispensed into us, superabounding with faith and love in Christ. So God has given this wonderful Christ to us by dispensing himself into us. And every morning, this is what he wants to do to start the day. Not mainly to deal with us, we have to clear up something. He lets us know. He wants to dispense. 
Then C, grace is the wonderful Christ doing everything in us on our behalf. So this is what happened to Paul there in 2 Corinthians 12. Humanly, he could not go on living with that severe nonstop pain. No one can. We all have an endpoint. But the all-sufficient grace, Christ himself, did in Paul what Paul could not do himself. And that was to overcome, to deal with in this situation. Doing everything in us. This is one matter. I just wonder. Only God knows what I'm. But I just wonder. What God wants to do right now. In each one of us. What he would like to do. In you today. What would he like to do. For you today. Why don't you just. Tell him Lord. I need, I need you as grace in what you are. And I need you in grace for what you give. And I need you as grace for what you do. And uh, Lord, I want you to be the grandpa in me. To my three teenage grandchildren. I want you to be husband to me. I want you to be whatever. I'm in this situation. I don't know what to do. I'm not worried. You know. Just have your way. What a great truth, huh? And now point four. Grace is the manifestation of the triune God in his embodiment in three aspects. Now we have the triune God. And so 2 Corinthians 13, 14, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. And we read a verse about the grace of God in 1 Peter 5, 10, and the grace of the Spirit in Hebrews 10.29 and the grace of the Lord in 2 Corinthians 13.14 we see the triune God is a God of grace. A, the New Testament is a history of the grace of God as the incarnation of the triune God in his divine trinity processed and consummated and moving and living in and among his believers. This is the church life. The triune God living and moving among us. And this is what uh, a functioning saint, he enables this to happen. And those that are elders, truly according to God, for our co-workers, they are channels that open the way 
for God to live and move among us. But there are situations, whether it's in a church, could be in a family, it could be in a state in the United States, it could be a whole country, where some, by what they are in themselves, keep the Lord from doing what he wants to do among us, among the believers. The church is the church of God. The church is called the church of Christ and the church of the believers. It's never caused the, called the church of the elders or of the wife of an elder. And the church life is a life in which the triune God moves unhindered, unhindered. Like when you were singing and praying over that. You were releasing God to act in the meeting. It was just marvelous for me to see this on the screen and to enter into by Zoom. This is the triune God as grace. B, grace is the triune God in his incarnation to be dispensed into the believers by the Father as the source, by the Son as the element, and by the spirit as the application, source, grace, element, grace, application, grace. The source of grace, the element of grace, and the application of grace are the three persons of the divine trinity to be our everything. Here we are again, to be our everything. And so he wants to be the message I'm giving. He wants to be the one receiving. In about, oh, 15, 20 minutes, a number there in Hamilton, you go up to the microphone, the triune God is going to flow through you. This is, will be wonderful to see the God of grace flowing through all the different members. We receive their portions. In the divine dispensing, grace is called the grace of God, the grace of Christ, and the grace of which the Spirit is. I hope it's beginning to, to dawn. Grace is is the triune God yes. processed and consummated to be the all-inclusive life-giving spirit to dispense himself into us and to be everything to us, do everything in us and for us and to give everything to us what we need. That simple prayer at the beginning of a day, Lord, please Give me today's portion of grace because my sovereign God knows exactly what will happen today. He knows. And he knows when it will happen and how it will happen. And he knows when that happens, I will need him. 
And when I pray for grace, I'm telling him, I cannot live another day without you. I mean, as a Christian, I can somehow limp along as an elderly person for a while. I don't mean that. When I just ask you for grace, I'm asking God for himself. For today, day by day. See, grace is the embodiment of God who became a God-man with divinity and humanity, passed through human living, died, resurrected, and entered into ascension. Now he is the life-giving spirit dwelling in us. Yesterday in my Bible reading, I read through chapter 2 of Luke. And we don't, we're told hardly anything about his early life, but the one episode when he was 12. And we know uh, what happened, and he, was, he stayed in Jerusalem to be in the things of his father, and his parents were looking for him. And they brought him home. And then we're told that he grew, and grace in God was part of his development. He was 12. But on the human side, grace is now developing in him humanly. And surely when he worked as a carpenter, there's, I have no doubt he was an expert. It would be perfect work. He labored hard. He had four brothers plus sisters. So at least two. We don't know how many. I don't think they each had their own private bedroom. No iPad. No car, just there he is in a despised area. But he lived all of that by grace. And when he laid down his tools and began to minister, he ministered grace. And so as Christ is growing in us, the grace will increase. D, without being processed, the triune God could not be grace to us. We have to just thank him at the Lord's table. The bread and the cup. Lord, you gave yourself up. You poured out your blood for us. You died on the cross for our redemption. You paid such a price. And now you're resurrected. You have a glorified body, but you're also a life-giving spirit. Thank you. Thank you for your incarnation. Thank you for your human living. Thank you for dying for us because that was the will of God. We praise you for being resurrected and ascended. And now you did all of this in order to dispense yourself into us. I say again from Hebrews 12, the Lord is on the cross, despising the shame. And you have this expression, there was a joy set before him. Have you ever wondered about that? 
What was the joy set before him? He's on the cross. Crying out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He's suffering there in a way we can never grasp. But there's a joy set before him. I sincerely believe the joy was the one for whom he died, according to Ephesians 5, his wife, his counterpart, his bride. He realized, I see what's ahead. I'm dying for her. And when I am resurrected, she will be born. And when I come again, it is to marry her. She is my joy. And allow me to say under the Lord's covering, I can't say too much. My wife and I just again and again, spontaneously, pray, Lord, how we want you to come. And we know the bride has to make herself ready. We're just living for that time. Our marriage is for that. We sang that. The hymn we wrote together, we sang that in the wedding meeting we had. This is for your wedding. This is why we're here. This is why I still have breath and I'm on the earth. It's for this, Lord. You're becoming our joy by grace. And as the result of grace, we will be your joy. The Father is embodied in the Son. The Son is realized. As the spirit and the spirit enters into us as grace for our enjoyment. So the spirit has to reach us. It's when the spirit reaches us. That's when we experience grace. Now it becomes subjective. I am now actually eating the lamb. It's been processed and consummated. I'm enjoying it. And I will be constituted with it. And so this is why the grace is with our spirit. In another message, we'll see we come forward to the throne of grace. We have access to the throne of grace. And now we receive. E, God, grace means God is everything. God does everything. And God gives everything. If I were to give this message in the south of the Philippines, at least in certain places, I'm pretty sure something very delightful will happen soon afterwards. If I emphasize this, what a statement. Grace means God is everything. God does everything. And God gives everything. And then a dear saint comes after a meeting and just puts a little bag in my hand and walks away. And look in there, and what is it? It's a new T-shirt. And what does it say? Grace means God is everything. And in another part, grace is God does, doing everything. Grace is God gives everything. 
Well, I'm not interested in a t-shirt, but what a statement. If this one sentence penetrated all of us, I feel the conference has reached its goal. Oh, a way, a, a new pathway is open. If you're really elderly, it's not too late. We forget the things that are behind. The best is ahead, pressing forward. More grace, more enjoyment. I sincerely believe the river of grace is going to flood New Zealand and all the countries represented here. I sincerely believe this. Wave upon wave, grace upon grace. Get ready, it's coming in every church, in every life, in every marriage, every family, every situation. The Lord has just been longing to let the grace flow. And nothing will be able to stand against it. When it flows, there's a barrier in the way that will be swept away. Our God is a grace God, and we are the grace people. Now the last section for the last oh three or four minutes. The New Testament believers living under the grace in God's economy is a total living of experiencing the process and consummated triune God as grace. Total living. That is every aspect of our daily living. And most of our daily living is not spent reading the Bible. We can't do that. We need to work. We need to take care of our human responsibilities. But the total living. Why don't we just pray for this? Lord, train us all to have a total living by grace. I don't want to be two kinds or three kinds of persons. This is really false. I want to be genuine. I want to be sincere. I want to be real. I want to be you. I want you to be me. I want to live by grace. Lord, you know all the things I spoke. Thank you. You forgave all my sins from my tongue. But Lord, from now on, may only grace flow from my mouth. Even if I say hi to someone at work, grace flows. Because I spoke from my spirit and my spirit is life. The Christian life, the Christian living must be a living of grace. The experience of grace. Our Christian life is essentially a life of having God as our grace. There's that verse from 2 Corinthians. That's the Christian life. It's having God as grace. A total living means that our entire living is a living of the triune God process to be grace to us. If you ask me, Ron, is your entire living a living of grace? I would have to say not yet. I'm not going to pretend, but I'm learning. And I'm advancing. Let's just do this together. Let's learn together. Don't. Make a law of perfection over you. 
Let's just learn by doing. The compound spirit is moving within us daily as the anointing so that we may enjoy the process triune God is grace. So the anointing is moving in us all the time. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the spirit of grace, is with our spirit, which has been regenerated to be the dwelling place and vessel of the triune God. Look in Philippians 4.23, Galatians 6.18, and Philemon 25, Paul ended his epistle by saying, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Oh, we, we did some prayer reading from Philippians 4.23 before the meeting, some of us. Oh, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. You want grace? It's always there in your spirit. You just have to turn. Don't wait for a mood change. Don't wait for a change in the environment. Just come back to the spirit. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. The riches of God's grace surpass every limitation. For they are the overflowing riches of God himself for our enjoyment. So any limitation, any situation, they surpass. Grace flowed to Brother Nee continually when he was in prison until the end. And grace will flow in any and every situation you're in, no matter what it is. That's why we do not live in fear of the future, because we are grace people. And we pray for the grace we need day by day. We don't try to get all our food for a month in one day. That's impossible. Life is ongoing, little by little, just day by day. My dear, my dear brothers and sisters, that simple prayer changed my life. Lord, today, I need your grace. Please supply me with today's measure of grace. You know how much grace I will need today. And then, wow, I'm, I'm learning to drive my car in California traffic by grace. I'm learning to respond to all kinds of things that are said and written by grace. To grow in grace is to grow in the increase of God. Because we are saints, the grace of the Lord must be with each one of us in every aspect of our daily life. That is the summary of this message. We are saints. The grace of the Lord must be with each one of us in every aspect of our daily living. Please don't say, Lord, I promise now that grace will be every aspect in my daily living. That is a self-made law. That is self-perfection. You would just say, Lord, I pray that your grace will supply me in every aspect of my living today. And he will.
and we will rejoice and so will he. Okay. See you again in message two in a little less than an hour. Now I'm going to listen and, and receive grace flowing from you. Your turn. Yeah.